Hey everyone, welcome to the I Know Lonely podcast from Only 7 Seconds. I'm your host, Luke Wall. This month, I have an extra special guest as I get to interview my brother, Ethan. This episode might feel a little unique as we have similar voices, so I hope you can differentiate who's speaking. Ethan shares a bit more detail on the background and his perspective on Only 7 Seconds Beginnings. He also shares his experiences with loneliness and how he learned to build skills for better relationships and connections. Ethan has recently graduated college and has a passion for both sports and music. While I know my brother and his story very well, our conversation was still a great reminder of how to better take ownership of relationships and be the one to take responsibility. I hope you're also inspired by his insights. Before we get started, this episode includes conversation around loneliness, mental health, and physical injuries. This podcast may not be appropriate for some listeners. If you need support or access to resources, please check out our website at only7seconds.com. Here's Ethan. Welcome, Ethan. Hi, Luke. Thanks for being here. Of course. Let's uh, clarify up front to the listeners that uh, I am not recording myself. This is not my double. It actually is my brother. And hopefully you'll be able to uh, hear the difference in our voices and who's actually talking. And uh, I don't we, think we sound that much alike. I don't hear it, but everyone else says that we sound identical. So we'll uh, try to not tell everyone like, oh, this is Luke speaking and here's my thoughts. We'll just, we'll go through it. And if people have a hard time, well... They'll just have to deal with it, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. Uh, like I said, we're brothers, so this will be kind of fun. Um, a little bit different than just my regular podcast guests. It's true. So uh, start off a little bit today by just telling us about yourself. Uh, obviously, I know about you having grown up with you and been your older brother for a number of years, uh, ever since you were born. But tell us about uh, who you are, uh, where you grew up, and a little bit about yourself. Yeah, Um I'm Ethan, obviously. Uh, I grew up in a town called Pateras, Washington. It's a town of 500 people, um, don't have a stoplight, and um, grew up really tight-knit family, tight-knit community there. Um, I ended up having a pretty uh, abnormal high school experience um, throughout the years. I ended up just, I started community college when I was 14, so it just ended up being one of those things where I would end up going to school purely for community and purely for just um, the connections it brought me in order to have like a social outlet rather than doing college online. Um, and now I just graduated okay, so, Northwest. So hold up just a little bit. Um, yeah. And I'll pretend like I don't know these things for the audience and ask questions okay. that I yeah. might know the answer to. <laughs> um, but so you graduated college super early. You were in college super early. Um, so back up a little bit from there, mm -hmm. you were, how did you get into college at 14? Like how, how is that even possible? Um, did you like move up a bunch of grade levels when you were really little or like, are you just like that smart? Like what's going on here? <laughs> um, so pretty early on my mom who had homeschooled the rest of my siblings, um, realized that normal level schooling for my age just wasn't working. Um, I was blowing through it all pretty quickly. Um, I was getting done with homework by like 9 a.m. and she needed to figure out a way to occupy me. And so I just kept moving up grade levels until she found something that could challenge me. Um, and so I ended up having enough credits to graduate high school by the time I turned 13. And obviously my parents didn't want to send me at college like the next year. Um, so we figured out a way that I could test into running start a year early or two years early. Um, and so I started Wenatchee Valley College. I tested it in when I was 14 and then I just turned 15 when I started there. Okay, and, and explain what is Running Start. Um, Running Start is basically, uh, it's like a dual type enrollment. So you're caught, like, you can take like English 101 and that would fulfill like a junior high school English requirement. And then English 201 would fulfill the senior English okay. requirement. So you're able to accomplish both high school and college at the same time. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So going into Northwest um, in 2020, I already had my first two years of college done heading mm -hmm. in. Okay, yeah. awesome. And um, tell me a little bit about you. You were in high school when COVID hit. And this is really where I'd like to kind of start the conversation today of like, what was your experience like um, with COVID hitting? What year were you in school? And um, how did that impact your, your school experience? Yeah, um, I think it impacted me a lot differently than most because um, I was doing 
by the time COVID ended up affecting anything, I had finished my last season of basketball. Um, so sports like didn't change at all for me during COVID. And then, um, yeah, I was doing online community college. And so I wasn't going into classes anywhere. Um, and even then I was taking one class at the high school because they required you to be enrolled in something. And I was taking some college in the classroom, uh, chemistry course. And we had already like finished everything by the time the school started shutting down because it kind of took a lot longer for a town like Pateras to catch up to the rest of the world in terms of restrictions. Um, and so nothing really changed in terms of school for me. But one thing I did notice was, um, it definitely impacted like friendships outside of school because you had certain friends who didn't care and other friends who took it really seriously right from the get-go. Hmm. Um, and just learning how to navigate those differences um, in friendships and differences um, of opinions between like friends within a friend group was a big, uh, a big test of patience and also just learning how to hmm. navigate that was really good. Interesting. Interesting. How... Um can you share a little bit more about that? Like, how did you actually go about navigating that? Like, was it just having open conversations with people um, to try to understand where they were coming from? Or how did you try to understand each person's perspective um, as a, you were 16, 17? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had just turned 17, I think. Um, and we had a pretty tight knit friend group just on the basketball team in general. Um, but I think coming out of that, uh, a lot of the guys that I normally would hang out with really didn't care all that much. Um, I had a few that wouldn't like just didn't come over. Um, and we talked a little bit about it and, um, we finally got to the point where they did end up coming over during the summer and we would just spend time outside or, um, just playing in the pool or basketball out on a court somewhere. Um, and just being, it, it really made us be more intentional with the time we did have together because they cared more, um, which is fine. They cared more about um, health and well-being and just staying on the safer side of things, which was fine. But uh, they, we really had to be intentional about that on the outside, um, in the outside world, just making sure that we were checking in and reaching out to one another when we weren't able to be with each other in person. Yeah, COVID, one of the, the maybe few silver linings of COVID is that it forced people to be a little more intentional. Um, which is kind of the crux of what we do with only seven seconds. And uh, you were really the uh, the big inspiration behind this entire thing happening, right? Um, to some extent, like only seven seconds began for those that are listening that don't know the history of it um, as a result of one of your experiences in high school. So share a little bit about what that was um, in your experience with loneliness and connection. Yeah, um, in March of 2018, uh my basketball team, a lot of my, my entire small town, for the those of you listening who don't know, revolved around sports. And my basketball team was like one of the things that like brought a lot of people together because um, we were pretty dang good. And uh, my, I think this is technically my freshman year in 2018, um, we were really good and we were heading to regionals um, and we were going to play like the 10th team, 10th ranked team in the nation or something like that. Um, and I came down with pneumonia um, and a lung infection that left me bedridden for like 20 some days. So I ended up not being able to play. I was averaging about like 15 points that year. And then my team ended up losing by like six in this regional championship that would have pushed us through to state. They uh, throughout this time, I think it was like, yeah, 20, 23 days in bed. And um, for the first two weeks, um, I was like, OK, they're busy basketball championships coming up like they got to be prepared not reaching out makes sense um but these guys had like lived with me at my house i had a friend that had lived with me for like a month from the team at one point um like they were, literally lived with you right yeah he was over every night like literally just moved in into one of our guest rooms while um his family was going through some stuff but yeah so these guys were like over at my house after every basketball practice ate dinner with my family like there every day in the summertime um and I, then, I would beat them in pool basketball that's true um <laughs> and then i would beat you no that never <laughs> happened <laughs> happened two, two days ago yeah, well. um <laughs> but um yeah so throughout like i gave them a lot of grace and understanding for those first two weeks um but then it kind of dawned on me, like they just literally weren't reaching out because they ended up losing the championship. And then I was like expecting them to make some more efforts after that. And then just radio silence, nothing. 
and then um and this is your closest group of friends yeah. like they're your you, they're your guys yeah the guys that like i had poured into for two or three years before that like every single day um and then our mom um ended up getting pretty frustrated because these are the guys that she had like fed and had over to the house for dinner and stuff and um so she came in my room one day and then we timed how long it took to send a text message just reaching out asking how somebody was doing um and it took seven seconds and then kind of planted the idea in our heads and took off that's crazy yeah. and now look at it today we're talking together in a podcast room and people are listening halfway across the world that is weird <laughs> um so i guess tell me a little bit about i mean how how did that make you feel in those moments for those multiple weeks um like what was that experience like in a situation that already you're dealing with physical health challenges um, but then feeling like people that you might be closest with don't care about you yeah um it definitely sent me in like a downward spiral of just like um believing a lot of lies like they don't care about me um and just like things like thoughts like that started filling my head um ended up spiraling into like a pretty deep depression um, and just dealing with like a lot of worth and value issues. Um, just believing that like I had done something wrong that I wasn't worth like their friendship or their time and them they're making effort. Or I believe those like started to believe those friendships were only there because I had made the effort and that they came over because I was like had a cool basketball court or like I had good food or mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, and I was only worth like had worth to them because of the things I provided or the things I did. Um, and that, like, on top of, like, missing the basketball championship and, like, being basically at death's door, um, or at least that's what it felt like at the time for 15-year-old Ethan. But um, on top of all that, just dealing with those, like, self-worth and value issues um, really sent me spiraling downward and just not to a good place um, in 2018. Mm. Yeah, it's... Uh, and I've shared this when I've shared the history of only seven seconds a little bit, like, I was guilty of not reaching out during that time, right? Um, and I recognize that. And I could give any number of excuses from like being in school and having a full-time job and two kids and a wife with significant health issues. And I can list all the different reasons that I might not have. But even for me, and I think this is similar to the guys and what we found out afterwards is that it's, I think it's twofold. One is simply the intentionality of it, right? Is that it, it's, it, you can go through social media, you can flick on Netflix, you can go and play a video game um, and just kind of check out and forget that, like not forget that someone exists, but really just um, not engage. And and the other one is I think this um, common human experience of like we minimize the impact that we can have. And I've shared about this on other podcasts um, when we've recorded with other podcast guests. And one of my favorite things is talking about like especially with youth, don't underestimate the impact you can have. Um, and so for any one of those guys to have reached out and said, hey, I just want to let you know I care about you. If I had done that, um, like what would that have meant in those times of physical pain, leading to loneliness, leading to feeling depressed? What would that have meant? Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for like, taking that first step because I think the misconception is that a lot of people think that like the act of reaching out really like it, it has to be associated with or like in company with like an action following it like bringing over food or writing a letter or something like that when in reality like that first act of reaching out and like starting an intentional conversation with somebody or um, just making sure that somebody's doing okay or in, in an okay place is um that can mean just as much as like an actual like act of service like mm -hmm. those words and that like intentionality of just knowing that somebody's thinking about you um would like looking back to where i was at then um would have had like such a profound impact on like my mindset um and it would have helped me snap back to the reality of like these guys do care about me but they don't they're just not thinking about like reaching out like they're high yeah. school guys like they're thinking about like homecoming coming up or prom or whatever dance was yeah. coming up next or something like that. They're not thinking about reaching out to the guy who's sick. Like 
Yeah. Like, I mean, from my perspective, laying in bed, it's easy to think like these guys have been over at my house every single day. They should be realizing like I'm not going over to Ethan's house anymore. There's something going on. I should like make sure he's okay. Um, they're thinking about the things going on in their own lives or something mm-hmm. like that. When in reality, it's like, okay, it's like that old saying about like thinking like C.S. Lewis said or something. It's like, um, think of yourself, think of others more or something. Anyway, it's like an old quote of like thinking of yourself less and thinking not less of yourself, mm. something like that. Interesting. Yeah. I like that. I had, I had kind of two thoughts there. One, um, it, you mentioned like, the act of reaching out doesn't have to accompany something else, right? And um, kind of on a related note, there's a lot of research being done around um, the impact of loneliness, the impact of uh, meaningful social connections. And one of the things that uh, Dr. Vivek Murthy talks about, he's the U.S. Surgeon General, um, he talks about that addressing loneliness, some of the things that we do know, and a lot of it we don't know because it's still new um, in, in the research pieces of some of it, um, but that even the simple act of receiving a smile from someone else walking down the street can have an impact on your feelings of loneliness and your own mental state at that moment. Um, so even in that smallest little thing, um, acts of um, intentionality, acts of kindness, acts of meaningful interaction um, can have an impact and it doesn't have to be accompanied with some grand gesture. It's, it can literally be in a less than seven second moment of smiling at someone on a subway, smiling at someone walking down the street. Um, like even those little tiny things, um, have, can have an impact on what someone may be experiencing. The other thought I had, um, was with the guys, um, I guess the the guys didn't reach out to you during that time, but you found out later that it was that they simply just were living kind of in their own headspace, right? Or that they were not, and maybe that even sounds bad, but they were living in, um, in the moment where they were out and for you out of sight, out of mind a little bit. Um, what, um, I'm kind of having a, a brain fog moment here, but you, you talked about on the video and I'm trying to remember how you said it, but you talked about um, how you learned through that experience to not be the one to just expect to other people to be the one, um, but that you had to be the one yourself, right? And so I think what you meant by that um, was not um, not having expectation of someone else to be the one to make a change, I guess. Tell me a little bit more about what you meant by that and what that's been like in shifting how you engage with the world, really. Yeah, um, I, man, um, I think the thing that I found out is like when you're the one who's feeling lonely and you're the one who's going through stuff and you're the one who's dealing with all the stuff that life can throw at you, um, the last thing that you normally want to do is be the one to reach out and check in on somebody, um, but the thing that I've learned personally about, because eventually, like in this situation back in 2018, where only seven seconds kind of like kickstarted, um, like I ended up reaching out to the guys. And then I started a conversation about like the way that made me feel and that stuff. And then we ended up talking about it. And then the result of that was the next time that they were feeling lonely or the next time that they weren't doing well. Um, like, and I had forgotten to check in, like, I'm guilty of that in my lifetime too, like just forgetting. Um, but they reached back out to me and said like, Hey, could you like get coffee with me? Have a chance to talk. Like, like it's about setting an example in that. Um, and like being the one to like take that first step when I'm not doing well and making sure like, okay, like I'm not doing well, like I need help and not being afraid to ask, like to have a conversation or get a cup of coffee with somebody that you trust and just talk for a little bit um even if it's 15 minutes just being able to like have somebody be there to be a listening ear um and you yourself taking that seven seconds to reach out and ask for somebody's help um can be just as valuable also as like expecting them to reach out to you Hmm. um even though sometimes it feels like it may mean more if they were the ones reaching out yeah that that i think that's really hard to do sometimes where um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the forced thank you, right? When you're mm-hmm. like, when you're a kid and you're, uh, and you forget to say thank you and your parents say, Hey, remember to say thank you. And then you say, thank you. Well, it means less to the parent 
if the, you're forcing the kid to say thank you, right? Yeah. Um, and I think it's kind of like that where um, if you're feeling lonely and then you have to be the one to make the effort, um, it's still in your head. You can play the mental game of saying like, oh, well, I'm the one making the effort, so they really don't care. It's just that I care, right? Mm -hmm. um, you can start to play a lot of mind games with that. I think that, yeah, that mind game is something um, that ended up happening to me. Like I ended up coming up, up and up um, end of March, I went on a road trip and then I came back. Um, just this last, no, uh, March when I was or, sick. Oh, when yeah. you were sick. Okay. Yeah. But that April, like I, <laughs> after basketball season had ended and all this stuff, um, we were all getting ready for summer and summer jobs, sending applications and stuff. And, um, me being like the extrovert that I am, I wanted to spend time with them and hang out and stuff. And I found myself being the one to reach out, like, every day or like every other day being like, Hey, you guys want to hang out? Like, let's get together. Um, and I found very little reciprocation within that. Mm. Um, and I think to a degree, like you have to like be careful and protect yourself. Like when something's like really, really, really one-sided, like you're the sure. one consistently reaching out, it's, it can get to the point where it's a little unhealthy. Um, but also like I've seen those friendships, right? Like, I mean, we all went our separate ways after high school and stuff, but like, those guys that like I made the effort with then I can shoot them a text right now and then we, we can strike up a conversation it's like no time has passed because we mm. still like can maintain that connection that we found in then yeah even if it's not in person or hanging out um we still are able to maintain a connection even after a lot of time has passed that's really awesome yeah sometimes uh relationships can be one-sided um for times and places and certainly we've all experienced relationships that you get more than you give or you give more than you get right like i think they're all relationships are that way to some extent um but i think you're spot on when it comes to relationships in general um if if you are making the effort um you're building a firm foundation for that relationship later on in life um, so, so tell me, let, let's transition here. Um, I would like to hear a little bit more about your life now. So you talk a lot about sports, um, but then you chose not to play sports in college. <laughs> right. Um, and, and you're now at Northwest university, uh, which is in Kirkland, Washington near Seattle. Um, but tell me a little bit about your life post high school. Um, what are you doing now? Yeah, um, coming out of high school, I had a spot offered to me at Northwest to play basketball, um, and I just felt like wasn't where I wanted to go. Um, my other passion, like that, I've poured a lot into in my life is um, is piano and music in general. Um, so I ended up, uh, I just graduated Northwest with a degree in worship and music studies. So it's like theology and music theory combined, pretty much. Okay. Um, and right now. Uh, August, middle, middle, of, middle of August this year, I'll, uh, I'll head back over there. I got a job as a graduate assistant um, at the school um, in like student development. So I'll work with students and alumni in order to connect them um, and like donors and get pledges and things like that hmm. um, and just working uh, within the school. And then I'll live on campus um, in an apartment um, for free, which is really nice. Um, nice in the heart of Kirkland, and then I'll be working um, at a church uh, called Venture in Mill Creek. Awesome, that's very cool. And it's kind of interesting, and uh, obviously, I've known you your whole life, but I've never really made the connection that like you have these two totally different passions in life, right? Of like, I know you love sports, not even just basketball, um, and then you love playing piano. And it's funny in the context of like what we're talking about with loneliness and connection, how one of those is a complete team sport, right? Like basketball is among the top three or four, like most, like you can't win a championship with one player. You got to have a full team of five, right? Um, even LeBron James has to have his counterparts and his, his players that are, surround him and complement him well, right? He didn't even make the playoffs and, this year. And that. <laughs> and, and so it's such a team deal, right? Like you have to have a team. And then playing piano is, I mean, certainly you can play duets, right? And like you can play in group settings and all of that. But especially like I know from experience of like just the practice part, right? Like it is for me playing piano is a lonely experience. Like I, I didn't like piano because I literally was by myself. <laughs> like I, I did not enjoy playing piano. Um, 
it's just interesting to know, like those are two very different passions, but also very different in like complete team sport. And yes, piano is, you know, play a band, play in worship, play in a choir. Um, but it's interesting because piano seems to be at least a very like isolated on your own activity a lot of times. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely experienced that living in Pateras. Um, there's not a lot of music around our area um, unless you go to like Chelan in the summertime. Um, but in like Pateras alone, like not a, none of my friends had any passions in music or anything like that. But going over to college, um, especially, uh, I was blessed with like an amazing roommate who is like a ridiculously good guitar player. Um, he's like my best friend now. And like we bonded over the fact like I can't play guitar at all. I suck at guitar. Um and he can play like a little piano, but like we're so different. And yet that like love of music in general um, and not just being piano, like I've come to appreciate like all the different instruments like drums. And I played xylophone in an orchestra this past semester. <laughs> like um, it's one of those things where like the actual love of music and like even just learning about different genres and stuff has brought me a lot of different connections and like learning to appreciate the things that I didn't before I left um, hmm. has created a lot of new bonds that otherwise wouldn't have been there. That's really cool. And that's, that's something that um, I don't think I've talked a lot about, but I think that curiosity is really important when it comes to social connections, right? Like it's, it, we talked about the pursuit of reaching out and all that, but it's also the, the curiosity aspect of like either, activities, um, interests, but also just about the person. Like, I think that's something that you're really good at is like the curiosity of life maybe is a good way to put it for you. Um, but people in general, I think that if we develop this better sense of curiosity, it leads to more meaningful conversations, people feeling like you care about their interests or who they are. Um, so, I mean, does that resonate with you? Yeah, I think, um, the thing that I've learned a lot about in my life is like having a willingness to learn and having a uh, just kind of like approaching any situation with like enthusiasm and excitement goes a long way because if you approach situations like I've had 4 a.m. wake up call times to go set up choir risers for a gospel choir I played keys for and the last thing I want to do at 4 a.m. is go set up tech equipment and all this stuff but the things I, I think that there's a, a distinct connection between um, approaching things with enthusiasm and the things you learn and the bonds you create. Um, because I mean, like I learned so much from the tech guys that I worked with this past year. And I don't think that I would have learned those things if I didn't come like to those rehearsals early morning or to those setup times early morning with um, like enthusiasm and excitement. Um, because I think that that rubs off on people because when you are all up at 4 a.m. and you went to bed at midnight the night before. You're all running on four hours of sleep. The last thing anybody really wants to do is talk. Yeah. Um, but when one person's enthusiastic, it rubs off on the next person. And sometimes it's really hard to force yourself to be that person. Um, but when you can be that enthusiastic, like, joy giver and life bringer to a situation, it rubs off on people and you can see the result. Um, and that creates a lot of bonds because then people love being around you and you love being around them because that joy you're bringing and that life you give in those situations can be, um, really exchanged. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, it's that idea of the ripple effect. Right. Mm -hmm. And like the, the corny phrase of like, be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah. Um, but it is, but it is true to some extent, right? Like if you want to, uh, be surrounded by joyful people, well, you need to start by looking at yourself first, mm -hmm. which is again, I mean, the point of like, if you're feeling lonely, sometimes you got to be the one. Um, but yeah, it's a ripple effect. If you, uh, whether it's in a moment of, of 4 a.m. wake up calls and choosing joy, or you like, you want peeps, you know, you want a world full of happy people, like be happy with the people that are around you and smile with them. Um, like, I think there's there's a lot to be said, and it goes back to my point of, like, don't underestimate the influence you can have, um, even in those things of, like, just being happy at a 4 a.m. thing that everyone is saying this really sucks at, um, but you're the one like, oh, man, I'm so excited to see you this morning. Like, this is going so, you know, that that influences everyone and there's a ripple effect um, that you start there, but then that affects maybe one other person 
then affects one other person. And pretty soon everyone has that same mentality. Um, and it wasn't like you had to do anything major, right? Like it wasn't like, it was just little things mm -hmm. in those moments that you may have been doing, but they had a profound impact on how that entire team even worked together, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it can be as little like you said earlier, just like having a smile on your face while you do things rather than just like nothing there. Um, it can be like responding like, okay, yeah, I got it. Like cheerful responses and a cheerful look on your face go a long way, especially with like the leadership that you're serving um, and bosses and in a work environment, especially like for anybody who's worked in a coffee shop, like being able to open a shop and like have it done well. And then when the boss comes in and you have a smile on your face and like everything's running super smoothly, um, like there's no better feeling than like when the boss is like, yes, good job. And yeah. having that willingness to like learn and then like that, like that connection that you form there can go a long way, like in like career and life too. like those connections you form. Um, yeah, you can put out new references like people will love to give you a good reference, especially if you, they know that you are like willing to learn and you are capable and like always do it with a smile on your face. Yeah. Positive attitudes. I mean, go a really long mm -hmm. way i mean regardless of technical skill like yeah. i i would rather employ someone that has 80 percent of the technical skill of someone else if they're going to show up and have positive attitudes be engaged with the mission like that goes uh, hard work ethic right but like mm -hmm. especially that like positive attitude like being a good culture fit um that's really important in a in a job and in a career um, oftentimes more than um, technical skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like skills can be taught and an attitude can't really be changed. Like yeah. if you show up with a bad attitude every morning and even if you're doing a good job, nobody's going to want to work with you. <laughs> but yeah. if you show up with a good attitude and maybe you have to have some things tweaked here or there, like obviously you want to do a job well, but like if you mess up every once in a while, but you consistently have that good attitude, people will want to work with you. And more than that, people will want to show you how to do it correctly. And they'll have a lot more grace yep. um, if you have that good attitude. Yeah. I uh, I was listening to another podcast recently, and I can't remember what it is. Um, if I remember, I'll throw it in the show notes afterwards as a reference. Um, but they talk about the difference between emotional intelligence and mm. uh, technical or or um uh, whatever the other intelligence is, right? Um, IQ versus EQ, yeah. basically. And it's interesting that IQ, 90% of college and high school really is teaching you IQ. Mm -hmm. But what you really need in a work environment is 90% EQ and 10% IQ. Um, emotional intelligence goes far further and almost outside of obviously maybe some technical skill positions, EQ, uh, emotional intelligence matters far more than IQ for most jobs in the world today, um, at least in America. And mm -hmm. so that's, that's really interesting that you bring that up because I think that that's a huge role or whole, yeah. huge piece of what we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, I'd like to kind of transition here to um, just share a little bit about um, what, what was your experience like diving a little bit more into college what was your experience like? Um, you you went through some COVID at college. Yeah. Um, like, what was it like building meaningful relationships? Going there, and you, did you know anyone going into the school into school there? Um, and what was it like having college life and COVID? And you're fresh off of this idea of I need to be the one to kind of make intentional connections. I'm coming out of a place of like having experienced loneliness, physical challenges, all these other things. Um, and now you go to college and bringing that mindset in. What was some of that experience like? Yeah, um, college, man, the beginning of college in 2020, um, I was blessed with, like like I said, with an amazing roommate who could play like guitar. Uh, I kind of knew him beforehand coming in. We met at like a scholarship competition uh, and he ended up dating somebody or is now engaged to somebody who um, I've known for a really long time. But besides him, uh, it was like really difficult to make those new connections because on a floor, I don't know how many people are normally on a floor. I think it's like 32 or 33 uh, at Northwest. Like this year we had like 16. And when you mean floor, like paint a picture for the audience, like you're talking dorm room, yeah. which is like an apartment setting almost. Yeah. Or... So like you'd walk into, there's like a huge building, you walk down the stairs and then there's like this hall and there's um, like 
one room on each side of the hall and then at the very end there was a quad um, which is meant for four people but because of covid they can only do half capacity so i got this room in for four people with my roommate <laughs> us two alone which was amazing um but yeah it was one of those things where we had to be really really intentional throughout this time of covid because uh i think a lot of people in college like especially ones who are doing more general ed classes like not within their major get the opportunity to make connections and friendships when they're in the classroom and when they're in the classroom mm -hmm. setting and sitting next to new people or uh, getting to know the person in the seat next to them or things like that. But when you're on Zoom and the person like above you has their camera off the entire class when you're in a 9 a.m. class, like you're not making that intentional of a connection because like I think I can speak for most college students who did Zoom this year. It was really, really difficult, or this past year, it was really difficult to engage mm -hmm. and, like, actually pay attention, especially when, like, you were able to just sit in your room and kind of just half-heartedly participate in the class. Yeah. Uh, which, again, don't recommend doing that. But it's one of those things where outside of that classroom, right, you had to be intentional because you're not getting the connections that just happen by convenience of going to a class every single like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yeah. Um, so like stepping out onto the hall and like seeing this like row of doors ahead of me, I had to go and like actually like physically it took knocking on people's doors sometimes like going and like striking up conversations where there weren't any and getting to know the guy who lived to the door right next to me. Northwest split us into households. So it was like a block of four rooms normally. So like if there's one floor or two two doors right across from each other it was two sets of that so one door two door three door four door and those four were in a household and so they could eat meals together and they didn't have to wear masks around each other mm. uh but everybody else they had to wear masks around so like one more door down they couldn't eat with them and so i was really placed in an unfortunate spot because we were in the quad so we lived together and we were totally fine and then we had one guy right next to us because we were at the end of the hall. So it was us and then a uh, door and then a door. So it was only three rooms. One of the guys didn't ever move in. Like he just never showed up oh, <laughs> throughout wow. the entire year. And the other guy we ended up becoming really good friends with. But our household was down one person. Yeah, so you only had three We only had three guys. Uh, but we, to this day, that guy who lived right next to us was my roommate this past year mm. because we had become good friends and... I still stayed in touch, obviously, with my previous roommate. But, yeah, it took a lot of intentionality of, like, going out and doing a lot of things. Like, whether it was, like, hopping in a car at midnight to go get Taco Bell with a random person from a different dorm building that you didn't know. But they wanted to go get Taco Bell. Like, there were people posting on Instagram, like, does anybody want to go get Taco Bell with me? Question mark. And people would swipe up and you'd have a car of five people who you never met before. <laughs> And you'd head to Taco Bell and you'd get I mean, to know them. Great way to have some social connection. Uh, that's yeah. Cool. It just it ended up being one of those things where I made friends with them. And I was fortunate enough to be on the worship team. Um, so that was one of those things where it was like a really convenient place to find like like-minded people who all shared a musical passion and were extremely talented and I like, could learn from them. Uh, and then I this past year I was in uh, a choir band for like this 130 person gospel choir so i played piano for them and uh i was in a band with two guitarists a bass player and a drummer like the best musicians i've ever played with in my life and just having that opportunity to bond with them and then i was in the choir rehearsals playing their parts for them every monday wednesday friday so i got to connect with uh all 130 people in the choir I made it a goal i ended up learning every single person's name in the choir which was kind of wild but it was one of those things where like people like started to recognize me and then I recognized them and then I'd have people coming up to me after the choir and like we would talk and um just being intentional about like going even just going up to people and introducing yourself in a college setting goes a long way because man, that's not that common anymore like actually having somebody coming up to you and like hey I'm Ethan how's it going like being able to talk to somebody and like striking that up the next time that person sees you, they're going to remember you like as the person who came up and introduced themselves to you after blank class or whatever it is. Um, and just making the little efforts, a lot of little efforts end up adding up to make a profound impact on somebody's life, regardless of if it seems like a big deal at the time or not. 
And I think that's like one of those things that goes really largely unnoticed and the little efforts that we can make in our everyday lives that don't put like individual strain on us or like that aren't that big of a deal end up going a long way. Hmm. That, uh, not every, so there are going to be some people that are listening to this that are, uh, extreme introverts, um, or even just the average person, um, that don't have, um, the natural instinct to, to just be like, go up to random people and say, um, introduce themselves. Right. Um, it, it, and it takes some bravery, right? It's for sure. So talk a little bit about that. Like how, how to develop that sort of bravery and what sort of mentality it takes to, to live in that kind of headspace. Yeah. Um, in general, most people won't be mean to you if you introduce yourself. <laughs> like, it, it, they're not going to be scary most of the time. Like, I, I had some scary experiences over at college. There were some creepy people. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I, I'm pretty extroverted. But, like, they say the definition of introversion and extroversion is, like, how you recharge. And if that's the case, like, I recharge largely alone. Like, when I'm alone, like, that's where I get my energy from. But I love people. And so for those people listening who are like introverted or find it difficult to like actually be the one to like make that first effort, um, I would say just put yourself in positions where there are people and like or even like go to something like you have to you have to be willing at least to take that first step. Like you don't necessarily have to strike up a conversation, but place yourself in positions where a conversation could be struck up with you, like join a choir or something like that, like you can be the 131st person, but odds are you're going to get to know the person on your right and on your left or the person down in front of you or the piano player. Like you're going to end up forming connections just by taking that first step, even if it's a little outside your comfort zone to join a choir or something that interests you, like a club at a school or something like that. Um, Just being willing to take that first step in effort of um, joining things that people are doing around you or, or starting it yourself. If like, you want to start like a club at your school of something you're interested in and then you put a flyer up and you find one other person who's interested in it like that's still one more connection that you previously had like yeah it's one sim- person with similar interests that you can get to know yeah um so i think it does take a little bit of effort regardless but you don't necessarily have to be striking up that conversation yeah you don't have to necessarily uh be the one to just walk up to every single random stranger <laughs> in the room and introduce yourself um, and sometimes it's as simple as saying yes, right? Mm-hmm. It's the the invite to talk about a bunch of random strangers and just yeah. putting yourself in a position to say yes or putting yourself in a position to, like, answer a question meaningfully, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of just blowing smoke and saying, oh, I'm great. And in reality, someone that you cared about actually asked you and you are vulnerable for a mm-hmm. second. Like, sometimes you just have to be willing to say yes or willing to open up or willing to... Um, yeah, you don't have to like. It's not always just about being the one to ask the how at, introduce yourself, right? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of different ways to build connection and, mm-hmm. and relationships. Um, you you even talked about on the video um, a little bit about um, bravery, and you didn't put it in those words, but you said um, having the courage to. Um, connect with someone basically Mm -hmm. you actually use some verbiage around that uh, which i really appreciated yeah the idea of becoming friends or reaching out to someone that is not somebody that you normally would or that you would think that you would connect with uh i think it's important to keep in like the back of your head like every single person has a story And every single person has a background that they come from. And sometimes, like, the quietest person in the world, if they have the opportunity to tell somebody about their story, or if you just ask them, like, hey, do you want to go grab a cup of coffee? They will talk for hours on end because people, they they don't feel like people are going to listen. So taking that, like, little bit of time out of your day to, like, go and listen to that one really quiet person is huge. And even if it's, like, outside your comfort zone to go talk to somebody that you normally like wouldn't be friends with. I think I mentioned this in the video. It was like 
one of the guys on my basketball team or something that like I probably would have never like necessarily chosen to be friends with or like wouldn't have like would have been like somebody that like I really connected with on a deep level like in terms of interests or similar stuff right yeah um because we took the time to get to know each other and like deeply understand where each other comes from and like why we are the way that we are and our backgrounds and stuff um we we can't like became really good friends throughout high school because we we had no similar interests we had nothing really that bonded us besides the fact we were on a basketball team together and yet he was able to come over to my house and hang out with all the guys and have a good time and just yeah. talk and be there and sometimes honestly he wouldn't talk that much like he would just be there but he ended up telling me several times like how much it meant that he was able to just come and hang out yeah. even though he's not necessarily talking or engaging all that much like he just was there and yeah. that, that's what meant a lot to him yeah. um and i think that like that understanding that like the connections you form sometimes like the unlikely connections and the unlikely friendships can be the most beautiful because they're the ones that like often run the deepest and yeah. the ones that oftentimes um, end up lasting the longest. Yeah. Well, it's kind of this idea that um, as humans, we have more in common than we have different. Mm -hmm. um, we all have some things all in common, right? Like we all know what it's like to be lonely. Mm -hmm. Like that's an easy one to just pull out. Um, but we all know what it's like to have meaningful relationship or not have meaningful relationships. Um, we all know what it's like to have certain beliefs. They might be very different than each other's, but we all hold, hold very tightly to beliefs. We all came from somewhere, both a place and people. Mm -hmm. um, it, we, some people don't know who their people were, but they have some background on where they came from. Yeah. Um, and like you said, everyone has a story. And I know even for myself, some of my deepest and closest friendships were not developed around interests or activities. Yeah. Um, and we spent the first however long, 30 minutes to the, today yeah. talking about interests and activities and uh, how meaningful basketball and, and music have been and, and what influence they've played on your life. Um, but some of my most meaningful relationships that I have in life didn't come out of an activity. Um, I certainly developed friendships th through those, but it, it came from some connection that happened somewhere in life, mm -hmm. whether it be from work, whether it be from some group activity, um, where we didn't have anything in common when it came like my, my best friend hates sports and I love sports, right? <laughs> like it's hilarious. And, um, and yet over time we've become such good close friends because we had some underlying, um, personal beliefs that were the same. Um, but beyond that, we didn't have a lot of things in common. And then those things in common kind of developed over time yeah. um, where he started to have some of my interests because he was interested in me. Yeah. And I started to have more interest in some of his stuff because I was interested in him. Um, and so it's interesting, like I think you're spot on where it doesn't even have to be that you have a shared interest mm -hmm. to have a meaningful relationship with someone though. So I, I really like your perspective on that. Yeah, I think especially coming from a town as small as Pateras to, uh, you know how small it is for those of you who don't know. I think I said this at like the very beginning, but it's like small, small. And like when I say small, my graduating class was 23 kids. Yeah. When like, I when I moved back into town with my wife and soon to be two kids, uh, I think we increased the population by a whole like 2%. Yeah, it was, it, it's so small. Uh, <laughs> to go from that to a college, and Northwest is small too. Northwest is only like 900 students. But it's still almost double the size yeah. of this whole town that you grew up in. <laughs> yeah, but to go from Pateras to Kirkland, right? Yeah. And in Pateras, it's... And Kirkland is basically suburban Seattle. Seattle. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I say I live in Seattle. like. Yeah. Uh, but that in of in itself was like this culture shock because in Pateras, everybody knows everybody, at least to a degree. They either know you or they know someone who knows you. Like, yeah. That's just the way life was. And to go and to be kind of uh, just kind of another face in the crowd, so to speak, or something like that in this college environment, like it, it was kind of interesting, too, because like people knew me in Pateras because I was like now only seven seconds or basketball or something like that. Uh, but to go to a, a new campus, right, and a new area and to be kind of have a fresh slate to start and um nobody identified you by 
what I did or yeah. what I helped start or what had come from or my your family. family. Yeah, like yep. I was known as John and Kristen's son or one of the wall boys or you know what that's Luke's like. Luke's weird little brother. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I just found like that clean slate um, to a degree can be like kind of intimidating because you, I mean, you can do anything. Like you have yeah. kind of a say in like who people like think, what, what people think of you, who you are, how you act, uh, because nobody has a point of reference to like what you were like or anything like that. And I know for me, like that first year of like being in Kirkland was really hard, especially in COVID, like not knowing who I was or like, and this goes back to what I was saying earlier about like worth and value, right? Like I felt like ended up realizing once I got into college, like I placed a lot of my personal worth and value in like what I did and what I accomplished and like basketball and music and all this stuff like or and nobody cares once you're there nobody cares and so realizing like my like my identity and like my personal identity where i found that and like my personal beliefs and um realizing that i kind of had to become my own person a little bit was really 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 uh just influential in my development of connections with others too um because i found that once i became secure in who I was and like secure in like what I believed and all that sort of stuff. I found that connecting with others was way easier because when I lived at home, I didn't realize that I actually was dealing with some insecurities. Like, and those insecurities became really apparent once I left the home or left the house because I was like, Oh dang, like, yeah, nobody cares about (laughs) that. I used to play basketball. Um, And so like, oh, like my worth doesn't come from basketball. My worth doesn't come from music. My worth doesn't come from the fact that I have friends over to my house that come and eat dinner with me. Um, But like finding like my my identity and like who I believe um, like I was created to be was really influential in how I perceived others um, because I was able to identify like, oh, like it's really easy when you see somebody having like a bad attitude or somebody who's consistently not happy um to like judge from the outside be like man i wish that guy would just shape up and put a smile on his face but when you start to think about like the reasons behind those things and think about the insecurities they might be dealing with and put starting to put yourself in like their shoes a little bit um that became a lot easier for me like once i had worked through my own insecurities and my own struggles with that and being able to uh resonate a lot more with people um, and just have a lot more grace with them was influential and instrumental in how I started developing those connections with unlikely people um, and making sure that they were making sure that those people who always had bad attitudes or things like that um, were doing okay rather than judging from the outside like being like okay what's actually going on here what are they going through um, because most of the time people don't just have a bad attitude or are unhappy for no reason um, there's normally some deeper level of meaning or some, something going on behind the scenes. Yeah. And sometimes, uh, most of the time, people don't want to talk about it. But what can help um, is beginning that connection. Or, again, for those people who don't like talking to other people or the introverts, um, setting the example of, like, having joy and, like, bringing life. And then, like, if you are an extrovert, like, going in, like, reaching out to those people who are unhappy, even if it's difficult and even if they're people yeah. you'd rather spend time with. Um, that well, are simply happy. just the act of being there. Yeah. Um, and like just even offering to spend time with somebody. Yeah. And if you get shot down, so be it. But if you give that offer, again, that offer of like being there for them can mean just as much to them because eventually like they might get to a place where they need somebody and then they'll remember you as the person that reached out to them yeah. or you as the person that was always like happy and joyful. And, um, this, none of this to say that like no one is always a hundred percent of the time joyful and happy. And, oh, I know you're not. Oh, that's true. You've seen <laughs> me at my worst. Uh, but like if you can live with that mindset of like living life to the full and like desiring to be set forth that example of um being joyful and happy and bringing joy to those situations that aren't that joyful i think that that can have a really really big impact on the people around you um especially the ones that 
are dealing with unhappiness and insecurity. Uh, yeah. Because then, like, when I started doing that, it gave me opportunities to, like, relate to people because a lot of people who deal with insecurities and issues and struggles like that, um, they, I mean, they feel alone in those insecurities at the time. Like, I felt alone when I was dealing with them, things like that. Um, but once they see somebody who's come out of that insecurity and fought through those issues and fought through those struggles and they're able to have a conversation with somebody who's dealt with them, uh, it makes them feel a lot less alone. And like there's hope because if somebody's dealing with anxiety, for example, right. And they see somebody who's joyful and like, who is happy and doing really well, um, who's battled with anxiety and they can have a conversation about that. Then that conversation with the person who's happy and stuff, I mean, a lot of people I know who are happy and joyful and all those things who have dealt with anxiety still deal with anxiety. Um, but being able to have that conversation of with somebody who's like in it in the moment yep. um, can have a really big impact because it shows them that there is hope for the future and there is like a way to get through it. And there is a light at the end of the tunnel yeah. for them rather well, than and, just being hopeless. And even beyond even just, ha I mean, certainly having a conversation is fantastic, but even the, and the purpose of, the videos that we took, mm -hmm. the, the stories that we tell, the podcasts that we record is exactly that because even if it isn't a conversation, but simply just knowing and hearing someone else's mm -hmm. story um, can have an impact in a very similar manner, yeah. knowing that um, other people have wrestled through insecurities. I, I mean, I don't, I think that's a common, I think that's a human experience. I yeah. think we've all experienced different insecurities, um, but knowing that someone is experienced or does experience anxiety or depression and still has has entered into a place where they can talk about it or mm -hmm. that they're in a place where um, they're doing better than they were, right? And hearing those types of stories are both encouraging and help you feel like, okay, I'm not the only one who's experienced this. Yeah, exactly. I think that um, kind of going back to like loneliness is a shared human experience, like there has never been an emotion that you will feel <laughs> that somebody else hasn't already felt in their lifetime. Like yeah. and we've all felt almost all of them. <laughs> yeah. At some point, yeah. like we will eventually like you will feel something like anxiety or depression or whatever it may be. Um, isolation, loneliness, somebody else has already felt it. And moreover, somebody's already like come out of that and like battled through that. And it, like you said, like these podcasts and the videos that we're doing, um, those like stories, right? Because again, everybody has a story are really, really, really impactful in people's lives because it gives them that hope and it gives them that like fighting chance. Like, oh, we, I can do this and like, I can get through this. Um, and like, I mean, personally, like if I would have had like an example uh, back in 2018 when I was dealing with loneliness and isolation, it would have helped me a ton back then. Just, just knowing that there was like somebody that had dealt with isolation because in a tiny town, like you don't like have that many examples of yeah. like, that, like of somebody that's dealt with isolation and come out. Like when you only have 499 other people to choose from, like it's difficult to see that. Um, but like going to college and then like working through those insecurities and like being able to have conversations that have dealt with like insecurities and struggles and things like of that nature it was really, really helpful to me just to hear like, oh, you're still working through this, but at least I'm not alone in feeling this way. Like you still struggle with this, but like we can do it together or like we can hold each other accountable or like we can make like be there for each other within the struggles because yeah. um, people still work through it like daily. Like people with anxiety who have come out of it are st still happen to deal with anxiety like through yeah. it. And um it like doesn't mean that they come out of it and they live this perfect life and which i think is a misconception like you don't necessarily like conquer it and then never deal with it again yeah. like i still deal with loneliness like or feeling lonely i think everybody does and um i think coming to that realization like yeah this might be a battle that i have to fight like throughout my lifetime but at least i'm not alone in it and there are other people like in my life who have dealt with this and like yeah. doing it together is so much better than feeling alone yep yeah yeah. You talk about um, connection 
with yourself. We don't talk about that as much within only seven seconds, but it is something that um, we do we do go over a bit in our school curriculum mm-hmm. and youth curriculum. Uh, it's something that Brene Brown talks a lot about is connection with yourself. And I think that's maybe what you're alluding to with um, being able to recognize your own insecurities or work through the things that you've dealt with so that then you can be a better person for those relationships so that you can better connect with someone that you care about. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell me a little bit, just how did you go about that process of self-evaluation, call it connecting with yourself, call Mm -hmm. it what you will um, to then be able to reach that point? Yeah. It, you got to be brutally honest with yourself. Like you, you can't skimp and make excuses, like cut corners about how you're feeling like, Oh, I did this because blank, blank, blank. You, you have to um, really dig in and ask yourself like, okay, why did this situation make me feel this way? Or why did I react this way in this situation and really get to the core of why you do the things that you do and like why. And I mean, it also helped. Like I had a really good friend um, in my roommate that saw me at my worst and at my best. And we talked a lot about like, he would hold me accountable and he'd pull me aside and be like, hey, like not cool, man. Like, and he held me accountable in those areas. Um, for those people who don't have a friend like that, that is like their accountability partner or something of that uh, nature. I think, yeah, you have to be really, really honest with yourself. And I think recognizing that you uh, are struggling is like the first step, like, okay, like I'm not okay. Um, I got to figure out what's going on. And then um, just kind of taking it day at a time. And like when a situation arises that like really like makes you feel insecure about something or um, kind of prompts like anxiety within you, it's like, okay, where is this stemming from? Um, Why am I reacting this way? And like asking yourself those hard questions and then not uh, making excuses based on those questions that you're asking yourself. Like, why okay for the question was why did i react this way not responding with something like oh it was just a stressful situation like everybody would have reacted this way it's like okay like that might be true but what is that specific like if there's a specific reason like you got to dig in and find that like did you react this way because of something that happened in your past or did you react this way because there's something about yourself that you aren't the biggest fan of that you need to work on or yeah um and then once you start working through that and like kind of just refining yourself and Mm -hmm. like realizing those things that okay like this is something that I really do need to like keep an eye on and be aware of and then once a situation like that arises again like you're more aware of that like you can just you can recognize and be like okay like I'm not going to react that way that I did the previous time and then as you work through that um, it becomes easier when you see somebody else react like in a certain way you're like oh they might be reacting like that because of blank you know yeah um and it's not always like the exact same scenario but it helps you have a different perception rather than being frustrated at your boss because they reacted in a snarky way to something you said or they yelled at you in the office or something like that i think um it allows you to have a wider perception um and kind of start to see the world with like a glass half full mentality rather than half empty like you don't just take the boss getting angry at you at face value or a teacher or a counselor or something getting mad at you like for it like at face value like you start to understand like okay there's probably something else going on or um if they have like good reason to get frustrated with you then that's like a self-check type thing again uh but it definitely just gives you like that wider perception yeah. of the world um when you yourself have already wor- started to work through those things mm. yeah it's uh that's interesting into I think it's it's funny the lies that we tell ourselves about ourselves when no one's listening right like nobody knows what you're telling yourself up here if you keep a journal nobody's reading your journal Um, and yet we lie to ourselves about either our own abilities or our own Mm -hmm. flaws and to really peel back those layers and like you said at the beginning of that like being very honest with yourself uh, is a huge step in the direction of um, self-evaluation, mm-hmm. connection with your own self um, that then leads to those really potentially beautiful outcomes or at least outcomes that allow you to have uh, more understanding of the world around you. Yeah. So um, as we kind of wrap up today, uh, is there anything, I mean, you've, you've espoused so much knowledge and wisdom upon us today. <laughs> um, no, but you, you, you've had some great points and I really mean that. Um, 
is there anything that you would want to share with someone that um, maybe has had some similar life experiences as you, whether it be um, loneliness in a place of high school um, or transitioning to college um, in activities or connecting with people that, I mean, we've talked about a lot of different aspects here today, but is there something that you would want to share with someone that might resonate with some part of your story? Yeah, there is a lot of hope that is to come if you're going through something like what I experienced, uh, whether loneliness or insecurities or struggles, there is a lot of hope and you're not the only one who's gone through it. Like for a lot of people, it's one of those things that they try to kind of shove down inside them and hide from the people around them or hide from the world. Like if they're dealing with loneliness, cause I mean, it's not something that you like feel like you should like hold out like and show the world like I'm lonely or yeah. I'm insecure or something like that. But the best thing um, that I found for myself is like, first of all, being honest with myself about the things I'm struggling with and then being open to like having conversations with people um, because like whether that be like a school counselor or a mentor figure or um, a good friend or somebody that you can trust in your life and being open to those conversations and not being afraid to be like, hey, you know what, like when somebody asks you how you're doing, like being okay with saying, you know what, I'm actually struggling right now and then being open about why and being open to having those conversations because those conversations go a long way uh, within your own personal connections and also just within your own personal like walk, like um, realizing that like you're not the only one and having people alongside you uh, who have gone through the same thing too because I think the the beauty of what we're doing here and like the podcasts and the stories is like, we have people from all different walks of life and all different backgrounds and we've all experienced loneliness or isolation to some degree. And it just goes to show like, I mean, a counselor in a school that you talk to has probably experienced loneliness in their lifetime. I can almost guarantee it. Like, or like a mentor figure has experienced insecurities or struggles. And yeah, I think being open about your experiences and your struggles um, with the people around you, um, however scary it might seem on the surface, can be really, really beneficial and really has a significant impact. And even if it's just, it, it doesn't have to be the the cashier when you're checking out from the grocery yeah. store that says, how's your day, right? And <laughs> yeah. you say, oh, I'm uh, really struggling with uh, anxiety and depression right now. <laughs> and right, like it's not that sort of thing, but it, just one person. Yeah. Um, if you have that one person. And if you don't, like you said, it, it's starting out with um, the self-reflection of where you're at, what your own mental state is at, the things that you're struggling with, being honest with it. And then, like you said earlier on, putting yourself in a position to develop the relationships that it might get to that point where you can yeah. have a meaningful conversation around the things that you're experiencing. Um, I'm a big advocate for people uh, to to go to counseling or a therapist, mm -hmm. um, which is great. But also, it's it's super meaningful if you are able to, if you already have it, or you can develop a relationship, um, even just one, where you have that sort of capacity to just be open and vulnerable. Mm -hmm. uh, a when they ask, but B just being able to be the one to reach out and say like, "Hey, I'm really struggling right now." Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Ethan, uh, thank you for joining us here. Uh, I know that uh, it's probably a little weird having your brother interview <laughs> you like this. Um, and hopefully the audience could tell the difference between our two voices. I and, hope so. Um, they don't think that you were just a, a voice stunt double yeah. for me. So uh, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, I will see you on the basketball court. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to the I Know Lonely podcast. I hope you were inspired by Ethan's story to make a connection with someone in your life. If your story is similar to Ethan's in any way, I hope you feel a little less alone. Check out the show notes for access to resources and Ethan's feature video. To help us continue sharing stories like Ethan's, please consider being a monthly supporter of Only 7 Seconds. And learn more about our work at Only7Seconds.com or find us on social media at Only 7 Seconds.